Radio Studio at the George Washington Broadcast Center. Jack Armstrong and Joe Getty. The Armstrong and Getty Show. Your man needs an attractive wife. Hockey player said, he said, I married a trophy wife, but now she looks like the Stanley Cup. You see what I'm talking about? And, and ladies here, here's the thing you need to know about men. Don't give him a reason to be looking around. Hello? Don't do that. <laughs> so, <laughs> Sean's shaking his head. Pastor LePew there. <laughs> now, now, what's the context? A Missouri pastor is on leave after delivering a sermon telling women to lose weight and submit to sexual desires if they want to keep their husbands from straying. The context was pretty much exactly what you heard. Pastor Stuart Allen Clark took a leave of absence last week from the First General Baptist in Malden, Missouri, after widespread criticism of his sexist sermon late February. Besides, Sexy. <laughs> besides weight loss and sex, Clark told wives to wear makeup, dress nicely, choose appropriate hairstyles, and try to appear less butch. <laughs> right, and how about a little something on the oven as well, huh? Man... <laughs> Man gets hungry, Ogle and his wife, <laughs> who's who's hot. What the, the only thing that's amusing to me is like, is he is he living a life where he's even if he believes this stuff, is he living a life where he's completely unaware of how it will be received? I'm thinking in his part of Missouri, it's okay how it's received. No, come on, he's just not come used on. to the the scrutiny of the world. I'm from rural nowhere. I'm from rural nowhere. And there ain't nobody that thinks this is okay. This wouldn't fly anywhere. Well, wait a minute. Is it out of context? Did he also say to guys, fellas, she didn't marry a guy with a big old fat beer belly who stares at the the TV. You got to be a good husband for your woman. Now, if he said that, that changes everything. That's true. Come on now. Listen to you. You're part of cancel culture, aren't you? I'm working with Ibram X. Armstrong over here. Shocked and outraged. I'll read another quote from him. I, I married a trophy wife. Now she looks like the Stanley Cup. You know, it's just kettle. It's just like what? like a soup can. <laughs> Jeez, that's terrible. <laughs> now look, I'm not saying, and there's plenty of women that could you know, obviously could say, I married the you know the high school stud athlete. Now he looks like whatever. Easy now. A little close to home. <laughs> Um, now, look, I'm not saying every woman can be the epic, the epic trophy wife of all time, like Melania Trump. I'm not saying that at all. Most women can't be trophy wives, but, you know, maybe you're a participation trophy. Oh, jeez. Oh, I love this guy. <laughs> Clark said as a photo of the former first lady appeared on a screen. I don't know, but all I can say is not everybody looks like that. Did Amen. PowerPoint to go along with his sermon? Yes, oh, not yeah. everybody Visuals. looks like that. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> but you don't need to look like a butch either, he went on to say. Maybe you're just... He's, uh... He's referencing uh, Jesus' uh, Sermon on the Mount, uh, on the Mount, where you talk, "Blessed are the hot wives, for they shall inherit the uh, the old man's money." No, I don't think the Lord addressed that in the least. That's funny. Maybe you can't be a trophy wife, but you can be a participation trophy. <laughs> <laughs> what? <laughs> Come on, dude. All right, person. you're colorful and southern, and the rest. All right. <laughs> The husbands in his flock just all nodding. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yep. mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. What? Amen, Pastor. He's really <laughs> on a roll today, isn't he, honey? Yeah. Probably got to talk about this when we get home. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, jeez. <laughs> okay, from fun to serious. 
Maybe we can talk about it while you're on the treadmill. That's just a pastor, not me. I'm not saying that. The reverend said that. I know, I know. I'm going to get death threats now and deserve them. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. Ready to go from funny to serious? We are. Do we need transition music? No, I don't know. I I don't think so. So this is on Bill Maher Friday night. He had on as a guest... Charlemagne the God, the spelled T-H-A, I think? Correct. Uh, radio personality, New York, correct? Who's a really yes. big deal in um, uh, in radio. He was on the, uh, the the show that interviewed the pretty much every Democratic candidate, right? That was the Biden interview with the gotcha question. And the, Come on, yeah. if you don't vote for me, you ain't black. That was his show. Yeah. And a uh, black guy and stands up for a lot of black issues, including reparations, which... I don't know if they explained it in this clip or not, but that that's the idea that um, black people are still, the, the black community is still suffering from the legacy of slavery, and uh, and white people benefited from slavery, so you need to take some money, white people need to give money to black people to try to uh, balance things out. That's what reparations are. And they've generally been just laughed out of the room anybody anytime anybody's brought them up. And Barack Obama was even like, no, that would never work previously he's been a little softer on uh, rejecting it lately and, and like As seems like he's have changed seems yeah. like he's warm to it but anyway bill maher uh got into the conversation with charlemagne the god and i thought it was kind of interesting last month the biden administration said speaking of money they want to study reparations study it. Mm. um compensate descendants of slaves for unpaid labor by their ancestors um i'm curious where you are on this issue i mean it's a it's there's a collective guilt that's asking individuals to recompense. I think that's how we would frame that. Um, listen, I think reparations have to happen for black people. You know what I mean? Because slavery was America's original sin. And I really don't think no good is going to come to this country until they atone for their original sin, which was slavery. I mean, we, my, my ancestors literally built this country for free. So when you see all of this money being thrown around, you know, $27 trillion in national debt, $1.7 trillion for failed F-35 fighters. Half a million for dogs. Half a million for dogs. It's like if you're black in this country, you have to be like, well, what the hell? What's up with us? So the conversation went on that, with that way for quite some time. With Bill Maher, by the way, playing more or less my role, like saying, how would you possibly ever do that? Uh, I think, like I've thought up until about a year ago, this was a boring talk radio topic. It's the sort of, it's just bringing up like a, a a crazy hypothetical, getting everybody all worked up about it and talking about it for the hell of it because it was just so ridiculous the idea that whatever happened. But it's being discussed seriously. The current president of the United States is talking about taking a look at it. Barack Obama said the other day that it, I don't I forget what his quote was, but it certainly he certainly presented it to make it sound like he was at least open the idea of the conversation where previously he wasn't. To me, you start with it's undoable. Actually, 100% that's 100% undoable. Who was there from the New York Times with him? I think Frank Bruni was there. He was at the table also. And, and Frank Bruni said, well, it's a non-starter in terms of the doing of it. So I just don't think you really need to go any further than that. Bill Maher was into the whole collective guilt of current white people that had nothing to do with that back then and then giving out individual payments. He said that doesn't make any sense to me. Um, Charlemagne the God, though, who's got a lot of political power, fully believes it should happen. It's 
almost laughable. It is absolutely idiotic, the idea that it could ever happen, and it never will happen, except that it already has happened. Stay with us. Oh, we're not ready for a break. Um, <laughs> I, it, I no longer <laughs> accept it will never happen. There are so many things that I never thought would happen. I've, I said that about driver's licenses for illegals. I've said that about a bunch of things. Yeah, but that, that, that's workable. This is utterly unworkable. What Barack Obama's saying, what a lot of politicians are saying right now is, all right, people are hot to trot and they want this. What do I say because it's an impossibility? I'll say we're going to study it and we need to take a serious look at it. That's a that... smart person pandering to an, a political audience knowing it'll never happen. Yeah, I think the leadership would be what Barack Obama did the first time around was saying to, you know, okay, I'm a black president. I realize you're paying attention to me, black people, because I'm black. No, reparations aren't going to happen. He was pretty unequivocal about it back in the day, but um, he's not now. Uh, so you think Joe Biden's just saying it to, like, so people will think politically, okay, he's, he's going to take a look us. at it. Yeah, he's with us. He's it for is, it. It is. Even if you are 100% for it, how, how would you possibly work out the details? Just the, the short version. How black do you have to be? What if you're of mixed race? What if you're a white person who just immigrated? What if you're a white person who was enslaved in your home country? What if you are Hispanic non-black? What if you are Hispanic black? What if your dad was black, your mom was white? What if white, you're a direct descendant of anybody on the Union side who fought to end slavery? Right. What if your great-great-great-grandfather sacrificed his life to end slavery? There are a hundred logistical questions. Each one of them is fatal to the idea of the thing. And if you want to finally put a nail in the coffin while fully recognizing the horrific legacy of slavery in America, there have already been trillions and trillions and trillions of dollars spent specifically on black America to try to give black folks a leg up, get them out of poverty, a better future, education, etc. Reparations have been paid in the trillions of dollars. Uh, well, Bill Maher was not into it, but he did have the guest on to discuss it, and I feel like it's getting, it burbles up more often, so we'll keep our eye on it to see if it gets any traction. I mean, the problem is, particularly given the trillions of dollars already spent that I'm talking about, is, okay, you pass some sort of reparations thing where, uh, you know, just the, the great sloshing slush fund of American taxpayer money, including our children's and grandchildren's, because we're borrowing for all this as usual, uh, we extract a certain amount of that and hand it to everybody who's more tan than me in America. Okay, great. What's to stop five years from now, ten years from now, saying somebody saying the legacy of slavery continues? Look, you got uh, black kids still aren't doing well in school. It'll just be repeated over and over again for the rest of the country's probably brief history if we succumb to this sort of illogic. Speaking of wealth redistribution, we need to talk about what's in the giant COVID stimulus bill is what they call it. The vast majority of it has nothing to do with the pandemic or COVID stimulus. The vast, vast majority. It's not even close. It is. It is. It passed over the weekend. Uh, the Senate. It is going to be signed into law this week. You don't know some of the stuff that's in there. I guarantee you. Let's stick around. Armstrong and Getty. The Armstrong and Getty Show. 
Uh, we are going to tell you some of the stuff that's in the $2 trillion so-called stimulus package. What do you want well, to call The so-called it? COVID relief bill. Yeah. Um, I hate that term because it's not. It's a massive spending bill. That's it. And remaking of society bill to a certain extent, right. which yep. we'll tell you about coming up in just a little bit. And no discussion, no debates, no, no, no op-eds, no nothing. Just going to happen. It's, well, talk about it more coming up. A major moment yesterday in a young boy's life, in a parent's life, as my son turned 11, and um, I mentioned he had a big paintball thing yesterday with all his friends, and that was fun, and ended up eating cake twice, and my scale, oh, is, yeah. my scale is very angry with me. Uh, but got him a smartwatch for his birthday. Oh. And I didn't really think about it at the time, but he sent me a text yesterday. The first text ever I've gotten from one of my kids. I got a text from one of my kids. Wow. And it was just mind-blowing. I thought, wow, I have a child that texts me. And this will go on for the rest of my life. Did you get nutscaped? (laughs) Sean, not appropriate, Sean. Not appropriate. First text. Hilarious. Oh but just, to edit that part out, I don't know. The show airs. I don't know why I thought that was such a big deal. It's just we'll, we'll text each other for the rest of our lives. I the rest just of my life, I answered a text from my my youngest. It was charming too. It was nice. You know, it's better to speak face to face clearly, but uh, that is that is interesting. Well, what was the uh, the text of the text? I think it was, "Hey, Dad, did you get this?" You know, oh, when you're trying to figure out your. <laughs> Very similar to the first telephone call made by uh, Graham yeah. Bell, right? Hey, come here. I need to tell you something or yeah, something like yeah, that. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, come here, Watson. I need you. Um, I need you deeply. <laughs> <laughs> the reason I got him a smartwatch, and this is like this fits in with a number of other things I thought I would never do as a parent, is um, when he had his really bad crash on his scooter the other day. And he, was, he actually went to somebody's house and knocked on the door asking for help. Oh, boy. Um. Uh, thought I'd get him something where he could like text me or whatever. But you know, as I was texting with a buddy of mine, um, you know, we survived these things when we were younger. You have a crash and you limp your way home. Yeah, yeah. You know, I uh, God, that brings back a memory that I was playing hockey in the the winter time and that's got my head just split open. Well, you could play in the summer indoors. It oh, happened okay. to be outdoors. But anyway, I got my head split open and I was walking through town on my skates, blood streaming from my head <laughs> when a woman pulled her car over and said, oh my God, are you all right? Can I help you? Do you need to get home? And I said, no, it's just one more block. Yeah, my, my <laughs> kids had people pulling over and trying to help them as they walked along the sidewalk, which, you know, you did it. Um, I, 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 I limped home on my motorcycle when I crashed and I broke my ankle. It's just, you know, I didn't get out my smartphone and text, but I don't know. The technology didn't exist. It's not that my, my parents were giving me a more hearty upbringing. Then there was no option. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Unless they were going to follow me everywhere, which is another thing modern parents do sometimes. But... He doesn't know though. And I don't know if I, if it's better to tell him or not. He doesn't know that I now can track his location. No. No, shh. Don't tell them. Knowledge is power. (laughs) You have intelligence gathering messages that are best kept classified. Yeah. But so it's also a tracking device. You know, it just is. 
You outwitted him. Good job. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, fantastic. Got his first phone number. He might have that phone number for the rest of his life. I don't know. Your kid's growing up. It's amazing. So he's 11. He'll be an adult in seven years. I mean, it just blows you down. Time. Where does time go? I told him over the weekend. I said, "I wish you were three, turning four, but I'm I'm happy that you're uh, you're eleven. Yeah, yeah, that's just crazy. Soon he'll be fifteen, then twenty. Yeah, we're about to enter the girls' internet, booze and drugs, all that sort of era. Burr. Oh, yeah, the possibility, the possibility. Yeah. But you know what? What's yeah. what's the alternative? Right. One. Right. Um. You could give them them, uh, them what do you call it, the, uh, the uh, puberty-arresting drugs. That seems like a good idea. Yeah, sure, if you're a monster. So this $2 trillion so-called COVID relief bill isn't about COVID. So what's it about? Well, it's about uh, remaking our medical care. It's about remaking wealth redistribution for people with children. It's about all kinds of different things that have nothing to do with COVID relief. It is a fundamental restructuring of citizens' relationship with government, and there's been not a bit of open debate, editorializing, whatever. It's just political bickering and partisan jabbering. Then it's too late. It's going to get signed here tomorrow or the next day. Uh, We'll tell you some of the stuff that's in there coming up. Armstrong and Getty. The Armstrong and Getty Show. Young Democrats like Ben see a lot of promises unkept. They're putting that stimulus check on the back burner. They're putting the minimum wage hike on the back burner. And they're dropping bombs in Syria right now. And those bombs are kind of expensive for a dude who owes me $2,000, you know? So that's... Some of the pushback from the left on the COVID relief bill that is going that has passed and is going to be signed the two trillion dollars is that it didn't include the minimum wage fifteen dollar thing that Bernie fought for over the weekend and a number of other things. So, so it's not big enough, huh? Okay, fine. I, I love the uh, analysis that it's going to give you a fourteen hundred dollar stimulus check that's going to cost you fifty seven hundred dollars. Which is pretty good analysis. Well, the the, the size. So it's, so they came up with the size first. It seems like, and then decided what they had to jam in there to get it to be that big. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, because the checks—that's what's so popular. People, the, those those approval numbers for this thing that a majority of Republicans and then like seventy-five, eighty percent of Democrats and Independents are for it. It's about the checks. It's not all this other stuff. They don't even know what's in there. No, the, the checks ma- are a tiny portion. The of majority of, of of this thing is not what people are approving of. They don't even know what this is. Right, as usual in American politics, thanks to the media and our politicians. So just a little analysis for you. You might want to know this. This is going to blow your mind. Rob Portman, senator, he uh, put out a statement, and he points out that you remember the last COVID-19 relief package, so-called, that was passed in December? $900 billion dollars. Only half of it's been spent. There's still $450 billion sitting there that could be those $1,400 checks or, you know, whatever you think maybe is important or necessary. 
still sitting there. It hasn't even been spent. So the idea that we need to scramble and jam through another $1.9 trillion is silly. It's ridiculous. Then I like this analysis. That, you know, that's a decent point. And um, so sometime over the weekend, they asked Joe Biden about the jobs numbers. You know, that's moving in the right direction, but that's why we need to get the money right and right now. Why we've got some momentum. This, 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 um, this fantasy that is presented to us that when these stimulus packages get passed, it just gets injected into the, 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 uh, economy immediately. Like we're getting the vaccine in our arm. They just inject right. the money. No. He's talking about we got to get it in to keep the momentum. So much of this money is not going to be spent this year at all or next year or the year after that some of it's like 20 years down the line um and half of the as you mentioned half of the trillion dollar package from december didn't get spent so you can't claim that you had to inject that into the economy to keep things afloat when it's just you know still sitting in the fridge as a vaccine yeah that was the cover story anyway and as i know you're ready to talk about it's a fundamental restructuring of society but a couple of points of view that I think you might find interesting. Larry Summers, who's a moderate Republican, generally guy, he's a money guy, Treasury Department guy. Um, and he wrote a piece in the Washington Post, uh, said, among other things, I agree with the general consensus of progressive economists that it would have been better to go even bigger with the Obama stimulus in early '09. He thinks it wasn't big enough. And he points out a couple of kind of interesting things. What they did was they figured out, all right, what's our actual economic output right now? We've had this crash. What's the gap between the actual economic output and our potential output if the economy was humming along at full speed? And they said it's about $80 billion a month and growing. Well, the stimulus package that was passed was between 30 to $40 billion a month, so it was about half of that gap between actual and potential output. Okay? It was half of the gap. By contrast, this gigantic, portacular, just King Kong of a bill, he points out the the proposed stimulus, uh, the actual, uh, I'm sorry, I've got these numbers backwards. The gap between the actual and potential output will decline from $50 billion a month at the beginning of the year to $20 billion at its end. So it's let's call it $30 billion, $35 billion gap. This stimulus, you remember the Obama one, was half of the gap. This one is three times the gap. The so-called COVID relief bill triples the gap between actual and potential economic output. So it, it's it's not a COVID relief bill. Maybe you could say a third of it is, but that's incredibly generous. And then one final note on this, and it's from uh, a longtime Democrat uh, financial guy, Stephen Ratner, who was a an advisor to Barack Obama. He talks about how he grew up in the 70s and started his career during hyperinflation and the when your parents were paying 18, 20% interest rate on their mortgage. That's right. You heard me. 18, 20% for a mortgage. Um, and he talks about mostly the watch for inflation has been, you know, there hasn't been. But he talks about a bunch of different things that are skyrocketing in price. Copper and lumber because of the jump in home building. Global steel demand pushing up iron ore prices. Tin to get to meet rising consumer demand for new gadgets, etc. 
Uh, and he says inflation expectations are also on the rise among traders. Interest rates on long-term treasury bonds, etc. It's fin- shaking financial markets, which rightfully view climbing interest rates as the enemy in their investments. And it is against this backdrop, he writes, as a Democrat, that Congress is on the verge of injecting an additional almost $2 trillion into an economy that's already received more than $4 trillion in boosts from Washington. According to several estimates, the measure's spending far exceeds the extent of the shortfall in economic output caused by the pandemic. In other words, we are conducting an experiment in hyperinflation, and we're all about to find out what's going to happen. Oh, my God. It scares the crap out of me. Yeah. Yeah. It should. And one more thing, and I realize we risk uh, making your eyes glaze over with the dismal science of economics. But this is the New York Times saying this. In the stimulus bill is a policy revolution in aid for children. The package moving through Congress advances an idea that Democrats have been nurturing for decades, a guaranteed income for families with children. This fits in with the whole, this is a Democratic wish list that they jammed through in a crisis. Obscured by other parts of President Biden's $1.9 trillion stimulus package, which won Senate approval on Saturday, the child benefit has the makings of a policy revolution. Though framed in technocratic terms as an expansion of an existing tax credit, it is essentially a guaranteed income for families with children. The plan establishes a benefit for a single year, but if it becomes permanent, as Democrats intend, it will greatly enlarge the safety net for the poor and the middle class. Um, And, you know... Anytime you get one of these entitlements going, they stay permanent. They always do. Oh, yeah, and grow. More than 93% of children would receive benefits under the plan at a one-year cost of more than $100 billion. Ninety-three Do 93% of kids need more redistributed income money? 93% of kids? They, the parents might like to get it, but does that justify taking it from somebody who earned it and giving it to them? 93%. I mean, you can't, that's not only not just the poor. It's the poor, the kind of poor, the not poor, the fairly wealthy, the somewhat wealthy, and the damn near really wealthy. 93%. It's everybody but the rich, really. Mr. Yeah. Biden's embrace of the subsidies is a leftward shift for a Democratic Party that made deep cuts in cash aid in the 90s under the theme of ending welfare. As a senator, Biden supported the 96 welfare restrictions. Um, it reminds us in this New York Times article that the only way the Democrats are doing this is they won both of those Georgia races. If Republicans could have pulled off even one of those, none of this would be happening. And this could be a major uh, change in our finances interest rates, and the way we structure society for the rest of our lives. Anyway. All right. You know, at some point, I just want to do 30 seconds on why the Republicans lost those races. Okay. Because we haven't talked about it much, but go ahead. Let me run through this real quick. This is a good reminder from the New York Times. It was a Democratic president, Bill Clinton, who abolished the entitlement to cash aid for poor families with children. The landmark law he signed in 96 that Biden signed created time limits and work requirements, the kind of stuff I love, and caused an exodus from the welfare rolls. I'm in favor of all that. Spending on the poor continued to grow, but targeted low-wage workers with little protection for those who failed to keep jobs. So if you couldn't keep your job, if you didn't go out there and work, sorry you didn't get your money anymore. We're doing away with that. No matter what, you get the money. We're reversing what Bill Clinton and Joe Biden thought was a good idea in the 90s. Sorry, we're going the other direction. That's how much times have changed. And by the way, did you know this was in the $2 trillion deal? That we're remaking 
a big portion of the safety net? Did you did you see all the arguments on cable news about that or the 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 the, the debate in the Senate or did you read the op-eds in your favorite newspaper about no. No discussion whatsoever. Just happened. And by the way, the Republicans didn't tell me about it either. I didn't hear Mitch McConnell or Kevin McCarthy screaming it at me. In honor of Rush Limbaugh, let me use the term drive-by media to include a lot of the conservative media. Fox News was still calling it the COVID relief bill. It's amazing. This is crazy. This is the sort of thing that should have taken months, if not years, to pull off. Just this one segment of it. We ought to be having impassioned debates about the soul of America, the nature of the country, the nature and dignity of work, the dangers of dependence. How much is enough? You know, all of that stuff. Because we have for decades as a country. But this was just kind of passed under the cloak of night and uh, with the excuse of COVID. Well, because you're going to get a check for COVID relief. Okay, and I want to check. In favor you want of check? getting a check. I get, that. Yeah. I get that. I'll take a check. But how about the rest of it? Yeah. Okay, so why did we lose those two Georgia races, which is allowing uh, all this to happen? You want to do uh, 20 seconds first, or you want me to go? Go ahead. I got enough. All right, Republican Party. Number one, stop running rich donor halfwits for the Senate. <laughs> it, it ought to be the, the smartest, wisest people you can find. Maybe it's an assistant manager of a grocery store. Maybe it's an attorney. Maybe it's a talk show host. But not just the richest person who you can find in the state who gives you lots of money. Uh, secondly, Trump's temper tantrum hurt bad. Calling out the governor and the secretary of state, and it was inaccurate, too. That was terrible. Uh, he played a major role in costing the Republicans in the Senate. That's it. And all of the, this restructuring of America is going to be for those two reasons. At least, you know, unless the Democrats were going to win the next time around. Trump's temper tantrum, but more, you know, more importantly, just not very impressive candidates. I heard those people on paper. I mean, I read on paper who they were and what they said and stuff, and I thought, oh, okay, that sounds pretty good. But then I actually heard their game. They had no game, very little game. People like saying this when they're on the winning end of the deal and hate saying it or hate hearing it when they're on the losing end. Elections have consequences. They Uh aren't just a game. They matter. Democrats having 50 votes instead of the Republicans is a huge difference. Anyway, now you know what's in that thing that's going to get signed tomorrow or Wednesday. God help us all. Armstrong and Getty. sound we ought to get that on we just did 10 minutes of the dismal science we have a mystery sound often uh, michelangelo comes up with these he plays for us and then it's now i did not come up with this one though you didn't no i didn't who came up with it um our executive producer did mike hansen who lied to us earlier so just keep that in mind known liar mike hansen (laughs) okay let's hear it Okay, originally I thought, the first uh, scream I thought was clearly a woman, but then it, it's got a more of a beast sound as it goes on. That is clearly the mating cry of the Mongolian parakeet. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's a baby hippo that stepped on a nail. Well, play it again. Um, <laughs> okay. 
Mm. It's Meghan Markle after the Queen asked her if she's going to have a black baby. <laughs> what? <laughs> what? <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm saying uh, beast, uh, um, um, uh, smallish mammal, perhaps a porcupine giving birth. What's the, does anybody know what yeah, it yeah, is? Yeah, yeah. No, I, I think it it's a mammal, but I'm going to go bird just to uh, cover all the okay. bases. All right. what, uh, we, what do we got? That is the sound a small pug is making anytime its owners moves the, the claw trimmers close to its feet. Oh, pugs oh. hate having their feet messed with. They're legendary. Oh, so does my dog, Baxter. He hates it, too. And his nails is terrible. That's a pug? Yeah, yeah. And keep in mind, there is no clipping actually happening. This right. is oh, simply yeah. just the moving of the, the thing towards... <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> it curdles the blood. Oh, Jesus, right. <laughs> wow. It curdles the blood. Wow. Yeah, we got to get a groomer for Baxi or something. We took him to the dang old vet. They, they clipped one nail too short, and he bled. Oh, that's terrible. Yeah, yeah, it was terrible. It was awful. You know, I was going to talk about uh, my uh, my golf outing the other day. I got invited to play with some fellows I didn't know. That turned out they were all like captains of industry and geniuses and stuff like that. <laughs> and they were stuck with you? Yeah, exactly. As, uh, I don't know, as, as an amusement, as, 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 as their pug. They would squeeze me until I screeched. <laughs> Just for their immune. But I was chatting with the, the one guy, um, and he, he's the brother of a fairly famous guy. Okay. And, and I wasn't going to bring that up because it's obvious and it's dumb. You weren't going to bring it up brothers. to him. You are going to bring it up to him. No, I was not going to bring it up to him. How did you know it? I was told. Okay. By the guy who put us together. So I heard uh, your brother's but, famous. That's cool. Oh, tell geez. me about him. Tell me all about him because uh, you're here, but I want to hear about him instead of you. <laughs> I mean, I'm 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 a I'm a sensitive, uh, intuitive man. I knew not to do that, so I decided to, I'll just uh, talk to him in general. He's a charming guy, not overly friendly. But I said, uh, "So, what do you do?" He said, "I started a merchant bank a couple of years ago. It's going pretty well." And I thought, "Okay, follow a up merchant question. Merchant bank. Um, so, what's a merchant bank anyway?" So that's got to be like you got to get money for that, huh? <laughs> I realized I have no questions. No. About the founding of merchant banks. What the hell I is don't... that? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so that's with money and stuff, huh? <laughs> well, if somebody tells you that, they might make $75,000 a year. They might make $75 million a year. You don't have any idea. No. Not that it matters. Not that it matters, but... Yeah, I'm kind of guessing he makes plenty. So what is that, then? <laughs> a lot of money doing this i don't even know what you do is i don't even know what it is here's your host for final thoughts joe getty let's get a final thought from everybody on the crew michelangelo is pressing the buttons in the control room our technical director michael well my dad uh, shares a birthday with sam oh cool same day and uh, so like jack i overate yesterday oh. and i'm suffering for it you know I'd, birthday parties are great for the kids but they're not good for the parents, apparently. What, how is that a celebration? Your your dad is going to be fatter. I mean, what what kind of message is that? 
No, there was great food, but I ate way too much of it is what I'm saying. Just like you ate the pizza, I ate uh, enchiladas. But me being fatter is not like a gift to my son. I don't I don't get what it is. Ah, come on, Bitterman. Shut up and slice the cake. Positive Sean is our producer. Sean, a final thought? Yeah, I was gathering with some uh, friends over the weekend, and the, the conversation came up about brand shopping from the, the different vaccines, about which one is 66 per 90%. I said, no, they are all 100% at the stuff you care about. No ICUs, no ventilators, no deaths. All 100%. Yeah. Everybody should know that. Another fail by the media. It's an excellent point. Jack, a final thought for us? There is no new comment I can make on this story that people have been telling for thousands and thousands of thousands of years. But it is shocking how fast your kids grow up. <laughs> I mean, it's just mm. shocking. I mean, it's just absolutely. And then. My wife and I looked at it from the standpoint. I said to her, you know, "We've been we've been parents now for eleven years." Wow! And yep. you know, nothing new on this. In some ways, it seems like yesterday. In some ways, it seems like I've been a parent for a hundred years. My final thought is: I am eligible to get the COVID vaccine where I live. I am going through the questionnaire. It's asking me if I'm lactating. Give me a moment, would you? <laughs> oh, jeez! <laughs> no, no, I am not. He's harder. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Armstrong and Getty wrapping up another grueling four-hour workday. So many people who think so. <laughs> Go to armstrongandgetty.com. We have all sorts of great clicks for you. You can buy some great When it comes on for you to go, you have to go. What? I'm going to call my lawyer. Gun. Go away. A lot of chicanery. Okay. We just don't want to see that. I say b- Come on now. This is it. Cheer, boo. Yay. Game over. Let's go home. Adios, mofo. What color will the baby be? It won't be black, will it? No. I I certainly hope not. What color? What hue is the child likely to be? What? On that high note, thank you all very much. Armstrong and Getty.